0: RN is a registered nurse with a doctorate in nursing and has practiced and or taught nursing for more than 30 years. She currently manages a hospital cardiac care unit in Northern California. Kelly had a near-death experience when she was only two years old. She describes herself as a practicing Christian wife and mom to two grown kids and grandma of four. And Kelly writes, I became interested in researching NDE's after many years of analyzing my own NDE at age two and a visit at age 10 by an angel, and also because of what I have witnessed as a nurse and the many stories of NDEs that my patients have told me. Kelly, welcome to NDE radio.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, it's a, it's a real pleasure. It's <laughs> always good to talk to someone who has worked in the medical field and has heard NDE stories themselves. That, uh, that's that's a, a lot of my background, and NDEs came from that. Uh, Kelly, uh, what happened to you when you were two years old?
1: Well, it took me about 56 years to figure it all out, but okay. when I was a baby, my mom told me that I was very, very sick. I had hepatitis. They didn't know how I contracted hepatitis, but because of being so sick with that, my liver started to fail. And the doctors told my parents, um, there's nothing we can do for her. You need to take her home and make her comfortable because she's going to die. So my mother, um, a practicing Catholic at the time, um, contacted the Carmelite nuns and asked them to pray. So they prayed around the clock, and my mom told me... Um, you know, later when I was older, what had happened. And she was holding me at night and rocking me. And I was very weak and lethargic and completely yellow with a swollen belly and wouldn't eat, wouldn't drink. And she knew that I was dying. So she continued to rock me and hold me. And um, she said that in a little while, I just kind of went limp and I stopped breathing. And um, out of her grief, she just shook me and she cried out to God uh, for God not to take me. And she held me for a little while and prayed over me. And then in a short time, I woke up and uh, was breathing. And she laid me down in my crib because she thought that I would die. And she didn't want to watch me die. And she laid me down and she thought that she'd probably wake up in the morning and find me dead. Well, she woke up in the morning and she saw me playing in my crib and I was laughing and I wasn't yellow anymore. I didn't have a swollen belly and she picked me up and I looked completely healed and was eating and drinking and wow. So that was the story that she had told me and other family members told me and I've seen pictures from 1961 where I did look very ill, mm-hmm. and uh, I never really understood for many, many years. I didn't put that story together with what had happened to me, a memory that I had from when I was two years old, and that was my, what I know now was my near-death experience.
0: Mm. Wow. But uh, this was a miracle in and of itself that you were healed like that. Yeah, oh, that, that's really incredible. Well, the Carmelite uh,
1: nuns have a you know a strong history and background of of a healing ministry.
0: Yes, well, tell us what uh, what you saw during your MBE.
1: So I had this memory my whole life, and I never told my parents about it until I was older because um, I didn't put two and two together. But I was a baby, I was a toddler, and I was suddenly in this place, and a strange place, and my parents weren't there. Uh, I couldn't really see anybody. I was walking in this very, very bright light. Uh, I was only wearing a diaper, and I didn't know where I was or where I was going or anything, but I was just walking, and I knew I was just supposed to walk forward. And I was just in this room that was very, very bright white, like an iridescent uh, light was all around me. And I walked forward and I came up to these two very, very large thrones that looked like they were carved out of pure white marble. And sitting on the thrones, I saw two men and they were very large. And one of the men I knew was Jesus And the other one I knew was God the Father. And I approached the thrones, and they looked at me, and I looked at them, and Jesus spoke to me. And he told me that I couldn't stay there, that I had to go. And I didn't want to go. And he very sternly, as a father would tell a child, he told me to go. And he pointed the way out with his right hand. He pointed to the right and I started to walk out, and that was my NDE experience. That was the only thing that I remember.
0: What did, uh, what did Jesus look like, and what did God look like?
1: Jesus looked like what you would think he looked like. The traditional depictions throughout history of Jesus, that's exactly what he looked like. Um, he had a light brown beard, and Light brown hair, and he was wearing a white robe. He had sandals on his feet, and uh, God looked similar, but a little bit larger with darker hair and darker beard.
0: Hmm. Were there any other beings around? Were there any angels or other other humans being uh uh you know coming from their recent deaths?
1: I could see other people there. Long, long lines of people. Hmm. Um, I couldn't see angels at that time, but I could sense that there was an angel near me. And um, I could see many people going before the thrones.
0: And and where were they going? Did did they go in a different direction than you?
1: They seemed to be going off to the right, and I went off to the left.
0: I see. So... Do you think they were, they were dead and were going to remain dead, in other words?
1: I don't, I don't know. I don't know that. Uh
0: huh. You know, the, the white throne judgment, it's a, it's interesting because in the Bible there are two stories of judgments. There's the Bema judgment, which I take to be, uh, a very kindly, forgiving judgment, the sort of judgment that, um, uh, near death experiencers who go through a life review <clears throat> and then are forgiven basically uh it's it's sort of Jesus' judgment of us and then there's the mm-hmm. white throne judgment described in the Bible where the goats and the sheep are separated, and the the people that did good things in their lives are rewarded, and the ones that did not do good things in their lives or did bad things in their lives are are punished the sheep and yeah. the goats. And um you, so it sa- sounds like you wound up in the latter judgment, the, like the final judgment. But it wasn't a final judgment for you, obviously, because right. you were two years old and and sent back to live your life.
1: It's, you know, it's really it was fascinating. A, very, a lot of people, when they describe their near-death experiences, they describe, you know, feeling immense love and joy and happiness. And um I was in a place that was very solemn. It wasn't, um, it wasn't scary, but it was serious and, and solemn. And Jesus was serious and he was solemn. Mm. And I definitely was not supposed to be there.
0: Mm-hmm. And perhaps he was being serious and solemn for your mother's benefit because she was the one who'd put in this hugely dynamic request through the nuns for you to, to go on living.
1: Right, and she was praying over me, and mm. I believe he heard her prayers.
0: And so it was—it wasn't. Uh, it's up to you. It was a real command on his part that you should return.
1: Yes. Mm.
0: So, how did you? I mean, a two-year-old. I mean, it's unusual for two-year-olds to retain memories. Of course, this was a, an astounding memory, so it's—it's it's not surprising. But did you dream this at all as you were growing up? Um, no, how do you, re- um, you remember it?
1: You know, I don't have any other memories at that age except for this. My yeah. other earliest earthly memories started about age four.
0: I think that sounds very normal. So, But mm-hmm. this is profound and maybe more than your brain's capacity. It's more like a soul memory.
1: Yeah, I couldn't process it for many, 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 many years until I was much older adult and read the Bible and uh, put two and two together of where I was and what happened to me. I couldn't even tell my parents when I was little about this because I couldn't describe it. I couldn't process it. And I also thought nobody would believe me.
0: <laughs> um, when did you finally tell uh, your parents or other people about it?
1: Oh gosh, I talked to my mother about it probably when I was in my maybe mid 30s. Wow. And um that's when she gave me more details too about what happened when I was sick.
0: Mhm. Did she uh did she accept your story as being real?
1: Oh yes. Yes, she had no problem believing that or understanding it.
0: Well, that makes such a difference when people believe you when you tell them about an NDE?
1: Right, especially at age two. You know, I've I've only heard of one other person in all the years I've been researching NDEs um, that I've talked to who had an NDE at such a young age. Mm. Um, it's it's pretty rare to it is, be able to it, remember that. I think
0: it is. Um, P.M.H. Atwater has worked with children. Um, mm-hmm. I think most of them are older than two. And I interviewed a man who uh, died at, at during childbirth oh. and, and, and had memories. But um, now at age 10, you said that you saw an angel. Tell us about that.
1: Yes, um, this was a very profound experience. And I'm not sure why I had this experience. Um, the only thing I can think of is that it was meant to build my faith. Um, I was alone in my bedroom in the middle of the day. I was just 10 years old and I was coloring in a coloring book. I was sitting on my bed coloring in a coloring book and I was facing the doorway to my bedroom, which was open. And the only person that was home at the time was my mother and she was in the kitchen cooking. And uh, I just suddenly looked up and in the doorway to my bedroom was an angel. And he was about maybe eight feet tall or more, wearing a long white robe with a gold belt, and the belt looked like rope tied around his waist, and sandals on his feet, and he had, oh, about shoulder-length blonde hair, and the most beautiful blue eyes I've ever seen, and uh, I was very frightened, uh, to say the least, couldn't speak, just, I knew he was an angel. And he just uh, bent his head down because he was so tall. He had to bend under the doorway to look at me Mm. and uh, bent his head down and just smiled at me very, very sweetly. And I was so scared I couldn't speak. And I just kind of put my head down and I thought to myself, well, maybe if I just look down and keep coloring in my coloring book, he'll go away. And then I looked up and he was gone.
0: Yeah, they say the angel's typical greeting is, fear not.
1: (laughs) Yes, Uh, I've read that so many times and I thought, wow, I understand that fear because they are very, very, um, striking and mm -hmm. commanding, but beautiful at the same time. Not like anything you see on earth.
0: Were there any wings apparently? You know, the wings? No their way no, I, uh, angels are sometimes uh, depicted?
1: Yes, sometimes people say they see angels with wings and sometimes they see them without wings and he definitely did not have wings. Okay. And I I wish so badly he would have spoken to me and told me why he came to me, but he never did, so my whole life I've wondered about that.
0: Do you think he was your angel, a guardian angel of some sort?
1: Um he definitely knew me and was happy to see me um but I don't know if he was my particular guardian angel i don't I don't know if we have just one particular guardian angel assigned to us <laughs> yeah.
0: well i don't I don't either <laughs> um, do um did you tell anyone about that right away?
1: Yes, I told my mother and um I told other people and you know, I I shared it though sparingly, because these kinds of things are kind of sacred, and um, I don't enjoy sharing things with people that um, you know are skeptical or don't don't really want to believe you. Uh, so it's kind of like sometimes casting your pearls before swine. Um, I don't I don't like to. Uh, share too much with people that might scoff or not believe. But sure. as as I get older, I I'm getting more brave about that.
0: <laughs> well, here you are talking to uh, a quite a large audience on uh, NDE Radio. So um...
1: I know I'm not I'm not used to that. I haven't written a book. I don't plan to write a book. I um I just I would like to share my stories with people that are interested. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, do you think uh, you? I mean, you've had a huge, extensive career in um, in nursing. Do you think that these experiences have led you into nursing?
1: Probably. Um, I I believe that I came away from my NDE with some gifts. Um, the number one gift that I've always had is a strong gift of of uh, being an empath. And uh, so, of course, that leads you into a caring profession and wanting to care for people. And I also have a really strong gift of discernment.
0: And how does that work?
1: Well, it really serves me well. Um, I can discern people's feelings and their intentions. Um, and I'm, I manage a, a large nursing unit and I hire a lot of people and um, I'm able to discern with very quickly within a few minutes of meeting someone what they're all about. Mm.
0: Well, that's that's actually a very valuable tra- if, trait. If you are strongly uh, empathetic, you, it can get mm-hmm. you into a lot of trouble if you can't if you can't discern who you're being empathetic with until until you're drawn in too far. So yeah, that's, you're
1: absolutely uh, correct.
0: That's a, that's an excellent combination of gifts to have been mm-hmm. given. Uh, t- tell me how you've dealt with uh, people in your medical training or in your medical profession who've told you about their NDEs. And do you invite that? I mean, if someone has oh, coded, do you ask yes. them about it?
1: Oh, yes. I mean, I'm so excited to hear people's stories. Um, the very first one that I had ever heard was actually – Early in my career, I was with a woman who was blind from birth, and she was an elderly woman, and she was dying. And as she was dying, she told me she could see streets of gold, and she could see angels, and she could hear beautiful singing and music. And um, she asked me, you know, what this was, and I said, that's heaven. And she said, should I go there? And I said, yes. And um, I thought it was interesting that she was blind from birth, but yet she could see everything where she was going. And um, I had another experience where um, we had done CPR on a woman who uh, we pronounced her dead. And uh, everybody left the room. And I was standing outside the room completing some documents. And um, the daughter was in the room with the patient and all of a sudden, the patient woke up and looked around and started breathing. And um, she came back, which is very unheard of, you know, several minutes after a code blue is is called off and yes. then uh, for her to wake up. And um, she had described going to heaven and uh, seeing relatives and angels. And she lived about another week after that. And then she finally died. Hmm. but it's interesting that she came back and was given a little bit more time to uh, be with her family and tell of her experience
0: and it was a good experience
1: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you know, Plato tells a story about a soldier who comes back to and is revived in order to tell the world as r- recorded in Plato's Republic about mm-hmm. what it's like when we die and what we see when and of course, they go on to talk about reincarnation because that that was their belief at mm-hmm. the time. Let me ask you are you um y- you describe yourself as a as a Christian? Are you still Catholic?
1: No, I left the Catholic faith, oh gosh, in the uh, late seventies i was just I was raised Catholic and then um it just didn't um uh, fulfill me. Like I wanted it wasn't what I wanted, and then I um started going to more uh charismatic churches
0: and were you able to talk about your n d e to in the charismatic church
1: <laughs> no um, i <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tried to describe it to a pastor one time, and he totally just was not on the same plane as me about that, mm.
0: Uh, I'm afraid Catholics, Protestants, and most organized religions are reluctant to accept the reality of NDEs. Yeah, it's,
1: they don't talk about it. They don't really teach anything about it.
0: No, and it's to their loss. There, There is one mm-hmm. charismatic church in Sedona, Arizona. Uh, I I go out there on a regular basis, and I found out that on Easter Sunday and for five Sundays after, this pastor was going to talk about, NDEs. Oh. And so I, I happened to be out there. I went to his, uh, couple of the services and it was amazing how the congregation responded so yeah. positively to this, these stories. And, um, and then people would stand up in the congregation and say, I had a, I had an NDE. I had a near death experience. Mm. Let me tell wow. you about it. You know, I've never told anyone about it. Wow. And, and churches just so ignore the personal mystical experiences that are so available to them right in their own church if they'd only mm-hmm. stop and listen to what yeah, people have to report. God's we're still depriving speaking.
1: ourselves, yeah.
0: Absolutely. So, um, well, perhaps some of your, your church members will uh listen to this show and, and uh ask you more <laughs> about it. <laughs> that would be good. Yeah, um, the, uh, the Catholic Church, you would think would be more receptive because they've had all of these, um, saints who've had visions, uh, and, and have, uh, you know, apparitions of, uh, Mary, you know, uh, like Fatima and, uh, Magigoria. Mm-hmm. And yet, uh, and yet they just don't want to involve themselves in if it's, you know, Joe, well, <laughs> Joe yeah. blow down the street and he has a powerful vision why not listen to what he's got to say because God's talking to everybody.
1: Exactly. And to, to be honest with you, that's one of the reasons why I didn't share my NDE for many, many years because I was raised Catholic and we were raised to believe that nobody's ever seen the face of God and lived to tell about it. Yeah. And I thought, well, I did. And uh, so I didn't, didn't want to tell anybody.
0: Yeah. Well, for a Christian, the face of God is Jesus' face, and, and as right. you described it, it sounds like they they look pretty similar in your in your particular NDE.
1: Right. And what I think I saw was what they allowed me to see. Um, mm-hmm. They revealed their um, their identities to me, mm-hmm. and I believe in you know the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I believe in the the Holy Trinity. And I believe that Jesus is God, but they showed me they're two separate beings at that time. I didn't see the Holy Spirit, um, but yeah, that's what I saw.
0: Well, maybe maybe you saw it manifested as an angel when later on. Maybe. You know, the the Holy Spirit is this gift that is continually raining down on us and mm-hmm. uh it's always present if we just open ourselves open our hearts to it. It's there. It's the gift mm-hmm. that Jesus brought into the world for us, made it made available to us all and yeah. it's uh It's such a powerful thing, and other religions have other interpretations of it, but I do believe it's there for for everybody mm-hmm. um you know uh Eastern mystics might talk about chi energy, for instance, that electrical flow that they feel in their bodies. When uh, mm-hmm. they meditate on it or the Buddhists do uh, if but that's uh, that's as far as i'm concerned that's Holy Spirit from God
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's uh it's so uh amazing do you have any more stories of uh, people you've talked to in your hospital work about ndes
1: oh gosh well I had a man who had a heart attack and um, he came back and everything and He freely told me that he had this uh, near-death experience and um, that he was shown some events in the future, but he wasn't permitted to talk about them. Mm. And um, he seemed a bit um, frightened by it, but serious Mm -hmm. that he was told not to talk about it. So I've always wondered about that. I wondered what he saw.
0: Well, Robert and Suzanne Mays from IONS... uh gave a talk uh on prophetic visions um from n d ears at the last ions conference and it was pretty uh scary mm. <laughs> and it, and you know it correlates with what we're seeing in the world with the deterioration of the environment and the political turmoil here and in other places so it right. uh it's uh it's not good it's not good right. and I think you know if people are having visions of the future. They should be given permission to use it as a warning, because we need all these warnings to to inspire us to to do better and to be kinder and to be gentler yeah. on the earth.
1: I had a vision of uh, the rapture, and um, I believe that will happen in our lifetime.
0: Mm. What did you see?
1: Well, this was when I was about twenty four years old. Um, I was praying and I was suddenly transported outside of my house and I guess you would call this an open vision. Uh, I think that's what some people call it. Uh, this had never happened to me before but I was transported in spirit outside of my house into the driveway and didn't really know how I got there, why I was there and I stood there for a moment. I was by myself and All of a sudden, I saw many, many, many people rushing out of the ground um, and going up towards the sky. And I saw all different people in all different periods of dress, like from different time periods, Mm -hmm. and rushing up to the sky. And then after they went up, then I slowly started floating up into the sky. And um, at that time, I was a very uh, young Christian. And um, I don't remember in my Catholic faith growing up them talking about uh, the second coming or uh, the rapture or anything like that. And um, I hadn't read a lot in the Bible about it. And so this vision and everything was a mystery to me until I read in the Bible about um, what will happen. Uh, the Bible doesn't specifically say the word rapture, but when we're caught up in the air uh, to meet Jesus. Mm. And it's I a, believe that's what I saw.
0: It's a, it's a later interpretation and, uh, and the Catholics never really bought into, uh, either the apocalypse or, uh, or the rapture. But, uh, mm-hmm. certainly, um, more evangelical, uh, religions have. Well, Kelly, uh, believe it or not, we have gone right through our half hour.
1: Yes, it went quickly. I've enjoyed it.
0: Well, I have too. It's it's been wonderful having you on, and thank um, you, thank you so much. Um, and uh, keep up the good work. Keep up your work uh, as long as you can. Uh, I worked uh, many years as a chaplain and, and loved the contact, and especially loved hearing about the uh, stories of NDEs.
1: Well, I will thank you, and you have a very merry Christmas and a happy new year.
0: Oh, and you, you the same. My thanks to our guest, Kelly, and uh, for sharing uh, her story with us today. If you'd like to listen to this show again or any of our past shows, just go to our website at nderadio.org. For information on IONS, check out their website at IANDS.org And join us again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.